Hi, welcome to the Value Script. We are back live. How am I doing? What? Uh, what? Where are we? You gotta let me wait for the echo. I heard a clap. I got excited. Let's go. I got the clap. Oh, you got the clap. So we're good to go. Oh, right. Now I'm on the blooper reel. Great. All right. Fantastic. All right, as you see, we're here in studio with our lovely Meredith. Hi. I just stopped calling you a guest. I think you should just be the co-host. <laughs> Sounds good. Especially with some of the feedback yeah. we've been getting that we want to get into in just a second. Right after I introduce the mysterious voice behind the curtain that everybody has started hello, asking hello. about. Who is that voice? Justin. This is the this producer. Is Justin Bush, our producer. And he will be faceless. I haven't done the 75 hard yet, so I'm staying on camera. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do the 75 hard. Speaking of that, Justin, you know, they say the camera adds 10 pounds, right? I've watched the video a lot, and I think the camera definitely added 10 pounds to me. Did it? And it did not add the same to Meredith. So I'm wondering, do we need to switch cameras? Because I think not only did I get my 10 pounds, but I got her 10 pounds too. <laughs> compared to how I look when I'm looking in the mirror. Is how I think I come across my body. What, what are your thoughts on that? Well, that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. Oh, man. All good. You look great. Well, what kind of feedback are you guys getting with uh, this podcast so far? Good. We've gotten a lot of feedback and most of it's been great. In fact, I've only had one negative thing that was expressed. And coincidentally and I enough, I think that was by uh, maybe a family member. Yeah. Who are, who are dealing with their own, their own struggles. It makes it hard, I think, to, to look at yourself in a certain light and, and realize that there might be some things to fix. So. Anyways, if you figure out who you are and I still love you and I'm still here for you <laughs> anytime. Do you want to lead out, babe? We've had some great feedback. Um, hey, so we have a few comments that have resonated um, with some of you. And uh, we, by w- the way, we really appreciate the feedback that we've received. And we appreciate the, um, we've had a couple ideas for things that people have asked for Meredith and I to discuss and how that's affected us in our lives. So we definitely want to do that. In fact, we have a range of topics we want to do. Uh, moving forward. So it's great because one idea kind of feeds into another idea. And uh, we've, we've been married long enough that we've experienced almost everything. I don't know. I mean, I don't know about everything, but, but a lot, we've experienced a lot of things in our marriage together and our relationship together. Plus we've known each other for so much longer um, than probably most other couples. We, we have an interesting relationship dynamic. Um, so it gives us a lot of experience with things, but one of the comments that really I thought was powerful, we'll jump into is a friend of mine reached out and he said, he, um, asked if we would do an episode on being a good partner and a good companion in marriage. And it's not, it's for both spouses being a good partner and a companion. And he had the context of they had a baby recently. They had the baby was born early, not tremendously early, but early. And because of that, they had incurred some additional expenses than they had planned on. He has a side hustle that he does in addition to his regular job. And in order to meet their current needs and help pay off the extra expenses, he's been spending extra time working outside the home in his side hustle after his 
um, current, you know, full-time job. And he said, what's happening is there's resentment starting to get built up. He is starting to feel like he is not the work, the hard work that he's doing. He's not being recognized and not necessarily appreciated. At least I think according to the sacrifice he's giving, if, if um, I, I didn't necessarily ask for context there, but thinking of the context in my own, my own life, that would be how that would feel. Like I feel I'm putting so much effort in, I'm putting all this hard work in, and I don't feel that it's being recognized or, um, or appreciated. And then on the other side of that, his wife is feeling like he is out of the home and she is struggling with doing this all on her own, having just had given birth, having a new baby that is, um, was born premature and the complications with that. And she largely feels alone in doing that. And so what do you, as, as I describe that to you, Meredith, and as, as we talked about that situation, what are some of your thoughts on that? So we've had a lot of conversations about this exact thing. Um, you having those same feelings of um, feeling like we were starting to be divided in, I don't know, in our marriage and, and in the things that we were doing. Um, you know, you were certainly throwing yourself into school and business and work and building your practice. And I was home um, with the kids and, and managing um, all of their activities and stuff. Um, so I can totally see how that starts to feel that way. Um, one thing that was, I don't, I don't know, for me, when we were going through all of that, um, and you described the way that you, you know, had times when you felt just that way, feeling like you were kind of alone in providing for our family and going to school and, and all the responsibilities that you were taking on. And from my perspective, I felt like we were always doing it together. We just had different roles. So for me, I didn't feel that, um, that pull apart in, a, in our relationship at all. I just felt like we had different roles. We were doing different things. And, um, so for me, that wasn't hard, but I know for a lot of people it is, and it's real. I think the best thing is to really try to listen to your spouse and um, try to understand where they're coming from, even if you can't relate to it. Like we've had so many times when you would talk to me about your, what you were feeling and the emotions that you had, and I didn't feel that at all. And so it was hard for me to relate to it or find validity there. <laughs> Couldn't say that word for a minute, but, but it was real. I knew that it was real for you. So whether I felt it or not, I needed to recognize that was real and it needed to be addressed in, in some way. Um, I, I appreciate you said that because it was real for me and, and it was obvious, at least from my point of view, I felt as though it was obvious that you did not see that because if you, well, I guess I should not say that because that fed into triggering my attachment wounding and some unhealed trauma, really. So I guess I did not recognize that you had, that you felt that way, to be honest. Mm -hmm. um, I, goodness, and, and it was kind of unintended messages and unintended consequences, right? But, um, I was trying to find a scripture in Hebrews. I wasn't trying to be totally rude uh, while you were speaking, but 
Um, okay. I was just trying. I maybe I should just actually get the Bible app out and look there. Um, <clears throat> I was just trying to do a Google search cheat. Anyway, um, easy way to find scriptures on the fly. If you remember what it says, just Google it real quick. It'll pop up usually. So, um, you know, I think over time, certainly that changes. One of the kickers for us, for, for me, I remember when we just had gotten out of residency, we were looking for at homes. And um, our realtor was somebody who had um, really established herself as a, a very prominent businesswoman. She was very successful realty practice. Um, she really incredible, classy woman. We've we've known her our whole lives. Um, she was very always just a wonderful woman and and pow- a powerful woman. And she was able to um, create a very good business for herself and had a great mind. And so we were going through homes, looking and talking about things. And I express how I'd like you to be involved with me somewhat on the business side of things. And her advice to you is my, she's looked at Meredith and said, my advice to you is don't get involved. And I was just like, thanks. What the heck? <laughs> what, what the heck? <laughs> you know, I'm paying you to be here. But it really kind of, I kind of had to do a gut check on that moment because I thought, well, here's this woman that I totally respect and think she's amazing. And, and she is, she's amazing. I do respect her. She's phenomenal. And she just told my wife the opposite advice from what I would hope she had said. And, and I'm sure she has reasons for that. And, and, and essentially we kind of took it as I took care of the business and that kind of thing and the things outside the house. And you kind of took care of things inside the home um, but at some point, I felt, I don't know if you felt this, Meredith, but I felt that we started to kind of go different directions. I did not feel that at all. Yeah. Because I felt like, well, I felt like we were going different directions, but but that was part of our family. Like, I didn't feel like it was dividing us from our family. I just felt like we had different roles. And so, and that's, you know, when we were on the tractor for hours before we got married and we talked about our roles in our marriage and what we wanted and goals. And, um, my mindset was always, I wanted to be home. I wanted to be able to take care of my children and, um, support, you know, my husband in that way. And, and have you, have you be the provider? And, and certainly you had um, put yourself in a position where you could provide for our family very well. And so there wasn't a need for me to work outside of the home. But I think what was difficult is just in your mind, that became like a dividing factor where, where for me it just, it just wasn't. Right. I just felt like... I found that scripture I was looking for. It's actually not in Hebrews. It's in Mark, Mark chapter 10 and um, verses eight and nine says, and, or no, verse seven and eight says, for this cause shall man leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife and they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. And I kind of think that's how we approached our marriage really. Like we realized we're going to play different roles, but together, you know, we're coming together as one, one flesh, one one union and, and one marriage unit. 
Mm-hmm. Is that a word? Is that yeah. a term? Marriage unit? Sure. Um, it is now. There's <laughs> <laughs> definitely a role for a unit in marriage, but is there? <laughs> anyway, so, and I, I guess where I feel like it started to kind of divide from my point of view was, is I started going to continue in education and, you know, with a lot of those CE courses, there were some dynamic speakers like Doug Fields that was there and he was speaking about marriage relationships and dating and romance and and um, those types of things and how he he had to have a drinking problem to be able to function as a decent father and husband after work. So his solution to the, the work stress, having no energy at the end of the, end of the day or having, you know, be, basically being emotionally just burned out from all the emotions you had to put into your day, he would stop and he would indulge in his drinking problem. So he would bring the day's newspaper to the Taco Bell in the corner by his house and he would drink the large diet Pepsi and he would refill it about four times and read the paper and that helped him unwind and recharge and that's a lot of caffeine if you think of all the ounces if you refilled that 24 32 ounce cup four times and drank all that you know it was about a gallon of diet coke (laughs) going home and he felt recharged and refreshed and he could go in then and then his kids didn't get the emotional scraps that are left over and his wife didn't get the emotional scraps that were left over. And I certainly know that after my, I come home after working with other people's children all day long and other, other, you know, just the dynamics of the work environment, I'm emotionally spent. You know, it's sometimes it's a 20 minute drive home from work and sometimes it needs to be 30, you know, so that I can have enough Metallica therapy or whatever but some, that road sometimes is therapeutic as long as there's it's not inducing road rage. And, and, well, and we've talked about, yeah. too, how good it is to recognize that you might need that space. You might need that time, that alone time to just unwind and just kind of let go of the day's stresses before you jump into your family. So let's speak to and, that. Like, what's the, so because for years I felt like I just need a few minutes once I get home. But I felt horrible asking for it. Because I feel like if I ask for it, it's going to make my wife feel like, well, why do you want time alone from, don't you want to be with me? You've been alone all, you've been gone all day. Don't you want to be with me? And so I felt like guilty asking for a long time. Or my favorite way to decompress for me was I'd come home, I'd go to our outdoor, our gym that was in a garage outdoors, outside the house, but it was inside a garage. Anyway, and I'd come in there and the kids wanted to see me. And so, and I just wanted to listen to loud music and throw weights around and act like I was John Cena for a while, you know, <laughs> but I, I, that reminded me of the white rock comment. Anyway, um, we might need to tell that story too someday, but that was, that was funny. But, um, so when the kids are out there, I feel like I can't be as crazy. I can't be as loud because I don't want them to see me like it, like a total animal. And I turn the music down because I don't want it to hurt their ears. And then like I'm doing bench press and, and Briggs running underneath the bench press, the weights, you know, and I'm thinking, man, if he hits this barbell, I'm going to die and he might do, you know. <laughs> so all these things kind of frustrated my ability and I just didn't feel like I could ask for, I just need some time. How do, how do we, how, what sort of constructive way to approach that conversation? Well, I think um, understanding the reasons why, just having an honest conversation of like, I do love you. I do want to be with you. And, and, but at the same time, I want it to be healthy and good. And I don't want to give you my stressed out, you know, like you said, I can't remember the phrase that you used, but it was perfect to describe it. Just, um, what's left over at the end of the day, just the 
you know, emotional emotional scraps yeah, that you can give your spouse. And really like, I know this goes both ways, like, because, you know, you spoke to having a long day at work and coming home and how that feels and, you know, kids are excited and hyper and, and it's, and it's hard, (laughs) you know, sometimes. And and kids are perfect. You can't be our baby. Come on. You have our, our, our beautiful little children. They're perfect. They're, they're pretty close to it, but, but yeah, no, we've got, we've, we've got our crazy <laughs> moments for sure. <laughs> but, but, and I know for moms too, when you're, you know, home all day with, with kids, especially young kids and, and you're exhausted. And, um, so then your husband comes in the door and it's hard to, you know, be that excited, well, well, put together. I, I just thought real quick, you said her husband comes in the door. What did our, what, what did, what did our counselor say that guys want? What are the three things guys want? So when a guy comes in the door, food. this is very oversimplified and it is stereotyping. <laughs> and I don't want you fact checkers busting my chops on this. Okay. A lot of people we know feel this way. Not everybody can't make it general. <laughs> people can't handle that truth these days, but um, they want, so a guy walks in the door, he wants, he wants food, sex, a clean house, and a blowjob. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> That's what uh, I'm go. quoting our counselor. But that was <laughs> that was what he said. He's like, Meredith, it's not that hard. Guys want food, clean house, sex, you know, and blowjobs. But anyway, that's and and so how much you know, you're already exhausted. And I think it's an important conversation to have. And giving each other that grace. And you really have to kind of step outside your own feelings and the emotions that you're having and really try to look at your spouse and what kind of day have they had? Like, what can I do to put things in place so that when we see each other, we're ready to see each other and, and have it be good? And So you mentioned giving each other some grace. And then I want to come back to that, which just kind of goes full circle there. But grace. So how do you... What do you mean by giving each other some grace? I thought that was a very profound thing to say. I think um, realizing if your husband comes home and he's grouchy and on edge and like it can be easy to try or to just feel those emotions and and react back. But if you can kind of take a breath and and think about, well, maybe why, why is he short right now? Maybe it has nothing to do with me. We haven't been together all day. Maybe, you know, and that can be hard sometimes, but, but just, I think just so try to be that you're talking about, like, if I want nothing to do with you, that can be hard. Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying if you come home grouchy and stressed oh. and oh, short, that has nothing to do with you short. Yeah. Short with, you know, right. the kids or me or whatever. And like, I think on the same side, like for me, like I need to be understanding of, well, I come home grouchy and stressed. Um, I can't really expect her to want to take off all her clothes and, and be romantic if uh, I'm presenting that because that's not the sexiest way to seduce your wife. I've learned <laughs> doesn't really work. Doesn't work. <laughs> Although I still act that way a lot <laughs> and get frustrated by it. But I, I, I think that's pretty profound. I really have tried to come home with a better mindset and be more recharged. And, and the easiest way to do that is really just to be on top of your game, on the, have your daily routine dialed in because the more, the more disciplined you are with excess, with your diet, with exercise, with 
feeding your brain positive information, the happier you're going to be and the more grounded you're going to be. And the better you're going to be able to handle that long day and be able to handle the stress of the day and be able to come home and still be the rock star dad. I mean, you know, think of who do you want to have walk through the door when you're replaying the cameras inside your home if you have them. And if you don't, just think about it. Like, how do you want to remember you yourself walking through the door? Most of the days, I probably don't want to see the, the crap show that happens when I walk through the door because I'm, I, I quite often am grouchy and tired. But you know what, though? Break. Like, 75 Hard was a game changer on that. Like, just on that, speaking to how having those um, good habits in place changes your mindset because, I mean, I saw day and night difference with, with you in that after the after the first three weeks, first three weeks were <laughs> I had to work through my withdrawals. With, I had a drinking problem too. Were, <laughs> wasn't the same. Wasn't the same. Hard. Diet Coke. Right, right. Seventy five hard is hard anyway. Just doing all of those things at once, but then you throw yeah. that on top of it, and and it was your first three weeks. You're exhausted. Diet Coke. Diet Coke. Nothing in there. Yeah. Um, Lord so, knows somebody will try to, try to clip that. <laughs> right. <laughs> so how about to then, um, you know, so those feelings of, you know, people that are feeling resent, resentment or feeling rejected or disregarded. I know that I started taking those cues the wrong way. And we discussed that a little bit. But, you know, back when I felt as though, our romance side of things was not as hot as I wanted it to be. And I, I think we've really kind of uncovered a lot about that. And we may not get to all that on this episode. We'll definitely cover it, jump into that right on the next episode. But uh, back, you know, in 2012, 13, I thought, well, uh, perhaps she needs, you know, she's not that attracted to me because I've kind of bald and fat. And I don't, you know, I can control one of those things. And so, and I, I know we talked about this already, but, you know, I started trying to fix my body. And as, as I got in better and better shape, Things didn't necessarily change. And so then I took that internally. And, and I recently heard Jordan Peterson speak of rejection. When a man is rejected by a woman, it triggers all of his shame. It triggers him to feel all of the shame that he feels for himself, for his inadequacies, for him not becoming everything that he thought he could have become or everything. I mean, you know in your life where he, when you've sold yourself short, right? And you have shame on that because you... I can confirm this. Yeah? yeah, you felt that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And any, which part are you confirming? Just any sort of rejection, I immediately uh, criticize myself rather than the situation of just she wasn't interested. Right. I went straight to beating myself up. Yes. Rather than just accepting it, and moving on. You know what? And it is <laughs> it is so critical. It is critical to talk about it. Those hard conversations. You have to have those hard conversations because I had no idea. That's what I was going to ask you. Is did you even know? I had no yeah. idea that you were feeling that way. Yeah. And and I was not just out to lunch in my own little world. Like I I really just it from I thought we had a great dynamic in our marriage. I thought things were good. Um certainly not perfect. No marriage is perfect, but but I I never I never thought that our dynamic was making you feel the way that it was. And and I, and I think it was over time, but there were I mean, we did have some honest conversations about um okay, 
this is going to get deep for a minute. If it gets too deep, don't air it. And if, and if you don't want to answer, don't, but, um, there were, I felt like there were lots of times in our marriage where we did discuss, we had obviously different sex drives, you know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm like alpha male plus and, and, um, it wasn't meshing. And I did again, take that internally. I, I took on shame, like I must not be good enough, you know, and either it's technique or it's, um, attraction or it's my attitude or my emotions. There's a connection we're not getting. And I took that all internal as something I needed to try to fix on my own, but we never talked about it. And you didn't even know I was feeling that way, but that went for years and it was a problem because, um, it made me susceptible to um, temptation because, uh, and so that is something that needs to be addressed in, in a marriage and you need to openly discuss it. But we would have a lot of discussions on, um, on this topic. It was generally not the most constructive setting for those discussions because it was when I felt rejected and I felt shamed and I was upset. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, and then you talk about, Hey, I want to be more intimate or I want to have, you know, sex more often or that's or, too, that's a really good I point. Need, though, I that want I... you to be more forward. I want you to, I want you to initiate it. I feel like anytime we were intimate was because I wanted to be, and then I had to talk you into it and then I had to get you into the mood for it. And then we did it. And I was like, man, I almost felt like you really just didn't want to do it. But, um, speaking to that though, from, from my perspective, like, I don't know, you hear the whole thing, like the wife's got a headache and so she doesn't want to have sex, that, you know, and excuses like that kind of thing. I never, that was never me. And so in my mind, like if you wanted to have sex, like we would have sex, we had a lot of sex and it was, you all, and it was always great for me. Like, even if I wasn't can, can you say in that the again? mood, it was always, it was always great for me. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Appreciate it. So, so even, even if I was, could have, that is, that is on record, baby. <laughs> clip, clip it. Yeah, that is in the World Wide web, never to come off. <laughs> Here we go. So even if I wasn't in the mood, I always got in the mood and it was fabulous. So in my mind, I felt like I was being a good wife that way. Like, and, and we had a great relation, sex, sexual relationship that way. But, um, part of, I think a big reason why you felt the way you did was the foundation of how you felt about yourself before you even came into our marriage, you know, feeling, feeling, um, inadequate, and where your self-esteem just was not the greatest and um, feeling um, like you weren't heard or understood or valued or, you know, these foundational things that you grew up with. And then... Or that I could be good enough. Right, right. And so then when something like that comes in, your brain, the, the natural pathway is like making this connection of oh, she doesn't care, she doesn't want me, she doesn't, you know... Well, and I didn't enough to yeah, you're, come after me kind you're, you're, of thing. You're correct. But, it, and not only that, but I didn't always put that shame back on you. Um, sometimes that would come back to me. It's like, well, if I was good enough, right? Like right. you were saying, it wasn't always like, she doesn't, not that you don't want me. It's just that, why would she want me? And this confirms the way she treated me that she doesn't want me. I mean, cause there were times like I would, I was in the mood and trying to stimulate things. I'd leave out lingerie and you'd walk right by it. So I'm like, okay. And I took that as an, 
a sign or something wrong with me and that you were rejecting me. Come to find out later through therapy, go to counseling again. Oh my gosh, go to but, counseling. But, but um, in therapy, we realized that was, had more to do with how you felt about your self-worth and yeah. your, you, you really didn't feel, <laughs> I remember you telling me one time you felt like I was just being a nice guy. You remember that? Yeah. Do you, want, well, do you remember so, what we were talking so about? So here's the dynamic that we went into our marriage with. Like Lonnie and I have known each other our whole lives practically. Um, went to high school together. He was very popular. Um, football star, homecoming king, like all the things. All the things. Good guy that treated girls with respect, dated a lot. I was the girl that most of my senior year, I lunch in my car by myself. So my, my self-worth was not the greatest. I went to college and then that totally turned around. College was great for me, but um, I still had these emotional wounds that I had not healed and self-esteem um, issues that way. So can I so, ask real quick, when I, yeah. when I would come home in a emotionally unregulated state, you know, whether I was stressed or aggro or whatever, mm -hmm. Did that trigger that? 100%. Because for me, it just brought back all of my inadequate feelings. And it's got to be, he's upset with me. He's upset with me. And and I still struggle with that, not taking it personal. Like, um, and that would be one of my, that would be one of my critiques even at the time. It's like, when I'm trying to have a conversation about something I am bothered by, you would shut down, yeah. right? And it's because, and I didn't understand why. Right. You know, I don't think you did either. Yeah. And, and in your mind, it was like, well, she doesn't care. If she right. cared, she wouldn't shut down. She, you know, be engaged in helping me work through this. When, in reality, I had triggered your inner shame. Yeah. And it was becoming unbearable to continue the conversation. Yeah. And I didn't, but I didn't realize that. So then it got super emotional. I would cry. You'd be upset that I was crying because. <laughs> I, I, tell you, I tell you, you're the world's worst fight in here. All you do is you start crying and I feel bad and you get your way. And I'm just like, whatever to make you happy. And then, and then we really didn't get anywhere. <laughs> then we, then so, we, uh, that, so that was the thought that I had earlier is it is important to talk about hard things when you're not in the moment of emotions. Like. If you're triggered That's one fair. night and and something's really hurting you, talk about it the next day. Well, when you're not when when those emotions aren't so strong. I agree. You want to tactically talk about how to not be in those situations better the next day. But in right. the moment you still need to talk. Oh, for sure. So what do you talk about? For sure, but but that's where the grace comes in and understanding like Okay. Yeah, but if I'm We're triggered, I'm not hurt. in a grace mood, right? Yeah, no, you're not. <laughs> so how do you so how do you help how do you help a triggered spouse through those moments? Like how do you So kind of um an internal conversation you need to have yourself is what's your ultimate goal that you want for your marriage? And and that's that's a real honest question you have to ask yourself. For me, I wanted to stay married. And and that was my ultimate goal and so even when things were hard when things I mean hard is kind of an understatement it was it was hard um but Mavis that, is here to come for you yes isn't that cute yes she's so cute would she like um, to make a camera appearance I don't know I don't want to pick her up wrong and then have Peter mad at me <laughs> but um just making sure that if that's your end goal, if that's really what you want, then you got to fight for it. And, and it's going to hurt. It's going to be, it's going to be hard, but, um, <laughs> just having that 
I don't know, will to make it work. And, and some situations are different. Sometimes people, the relationship is so toxic that it might not be recoverable, you know, and, and that's a real thing too. And best um, to end the situation. Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of factors that you need to responsibly consider before you hit the, the, yeah. D, the D button. And, and really like, Oh my gosh. I think the biggest thing is find a good counselor that resonates with both of you. That is good. And, and start, start with that before you hit the eject button. Hey Meredith, I think it's a great plan to kind of wrap this episode and then transition to a new one. But on that point of finding a good counselor, you got to find a counselor that's an advocate for you and your wife needs the same. One of the most endearing things was when I went to my counselors and independently, I didn't ask for this. They, both of my best counselors that I've had have told me this on their own. I hear Lonnie, we are here to be your counselor. And if you decide that you want to stay married, we're going to support you in that. If you decide you want to get divorced, we're going to check you as hard as we can. But if ultimately we decide that that's what's best for your situation and, and you, you've decided and that's what's best for your situation and through our professional help, We've done everything we can to mitigate that. We've done everything possible to try to prevent that situation, and yet we still think that's best. Then we'll help you through that too. And um, that was really endearing for me because I felt like I had a true advocate that wasn't trying to push me or force me into a box again. You know, you need to be in this box to be happy. You need to do these things to be happy. And I feel like we've had a lot of that programming in our life, just the way we grew up, is box checking and, and fitting into certain scenarios socially to be happy. And with this, I finally felt I had given myself an opportunity to really establish the life that I chose and that I could really feel free in, in expressing myself in fully. And it gave me the opportunity to be vulnerable because ultimately the idea was for us both to be happy for us both to be in the best situation for each other. And also to, I mean, I, I didn't intend to get into divorce when we were talking about this topic at all, but um, I, I got to a place where the only way I could entertain that topic was knowing that Meredith felt that I loved her the way that I loved her and that she knew that I would always have her back. And that if we just, in our relationship, we got to a point where we couldn't be together. I needed us to be in a healthy enough place as a couple that we both knew we would still support each other always. And we would help each other transition through those next steps as friends because we've, you know, we've known each other what, 38 years and all of a sudden we decide to hate each other. It just didn't resonate with me. And I know that a lot of the things we went through are very hard and a lot of times our relationship enders. And I appreciate your patience and grace and us being able to work through those, love. Um, I really do. Because, you know, like I said that Instagram post, you really had to face the fire hell and, and pull me out of there. But, um, you know, don't, don't be so quick to throw, throw the word or the idea of divorce around have that be the absolute last resort. And, um, but do seek counseling. Do seek professional help. And seek out other people. Seek out other people that, you know, don't, don't go to your friends and say, hey, 
my wife, blah, blah, blah. What do you think? And they're probably the same kind of person you are and have just as bad of a dysfunctional marriage as you do. So they're going to be like, oh, yeah, that lady, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's not what you need. What you need to do is surround yourself with people that have the situation you want, whether that's in business, whether that's in life, whether that's in leisure or in marriage, especially in marriage. Surround yourself. If you want to have a successful marriage, surround yourself with people that have successful marriages. And you'll, you'll drift towards that because of the way your, your brain picks up information and relays information consciously and subconsciously. And if you want to be around people that are successful, you need to, if you want to be successful yourself, you need to surround yourself with people that are successful. And it's the same as true in marriage as it is in anything else. You're going to be the sum total of the most of the five people you hang out with the most. And so um, at the time when we were going through the worst of our marriage problems, I was hanging out with my, my single friends a lot. And that wasn't a good thing. Not, not, not that they weren't good friends. They were good friends to me. But it's just the, um, I wasn't putting myself in the, in the social situations I needed to to be able to get the tools I needed to navigate those, those situations because those people weren't in them. And so keys, keys to, to think of. Anyways, yeah. we're out of time. Thanks for listening. See you next time.